0: Safety third is a production of duct tape and beer. I am like really excited about this episode. I, yeah,
1: I, I can tell.
0: I feel like I'm gonna explode. like I'm so happy. All right, calm
1: down, dude, before we talk about today's guests. Uh-huh. We should probably explain why we wanted them on, okay, which means uh, we're gonna talk about love a little bit.
2: ooh. Rich kitty, you minx! You,
1: shut up, O'Connor.
0: Why are you so uncomfortable with this?
1: I think people take love so seriously, uh-huh. and I don't have that like same doe-eyed reverence for it. Uh-huh. I love my boyfriend. I think it's nice being with him. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, that that didn't sound very enthusiastic. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, not. I love him, I, but I'm not in love with the idea of being in love with him. If that makes sense. <laughs> Does that make sense?
0: That's a, Would you just read a Hallmark card? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I think I get. I think I get what you're saying. You know, like so. My gal and I have been together for almost a year now. And
3: Congratulations!
0: Thank you very much. And I hope that we are together for the long haul. And and I say hope because I no longer look at love through rose-colored glasses. But in the past, I've always thought that. Just love was enough to sustain a relationship. I think I was just very young, naive, and probably like a very healthy scoop of dumbness.
1: Definitely the dumb thing. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> You're so hilarious. I know. I, you know, it takes work to find love, and then it takes even more work to actually maintain that love.
1: No, I get it. When you think about how many books are written about how to find and sustain a relationship.
0: Right. Like the self-help books.
1: Yeah. Or like think about Tinder. Like I was reading this thing the I other day. I don't
0: think about Tinder.
1: Okay. Well, just stay with me and think about it for a second because I came across this thing the other day. Earlier this year, there were an average of 1.6 billion swipes every day. Really? So, <laughs> So many swipes. That resulted in 26 million connections. That means you have to put in like 60 swipes on the hope that you'll get to trade a couple of messages with someone.
0: 60 swipes a day.
1: Yeah. So the average user to put in those 60 swipes is on Tinder about 40 minutes a day. Are
0: you serious? 40 minutes? That's like a part-time job. Yeah. That's like a really shitty part-time job, but that's, that's work.
1: So intimacy, love, relationships, they're all really hard and they're difficult enough for us that this multi-billion dollar industry has cropped up to help us navigate every step of the way.
0: Okay, so this kind of reminds me of a story or like the opposite of your Tinder story. Uh, A few years ago, I went home to see my folks and my dad was having surgery on his back. Actually, it was pretty serious. When I walked into the post-op room, my mom was sitting bedside with my dad and she had his hand in hers. And even though, like, she was visibly concerned, she was still comforting my dad. And and his wedding ring was on her hand above her wedding ring. I mean, it was like, Aww. I know, man. It was so adorable. And, like, it was, like, out of a movie or a fairy tale or something. But here's the deal is that, like, I know their love isn't this movie-type love. That kind of love didn't just happen. That's something that you really have to work at so my folks, they're going to be celebrating 40 years of marriage this August. And four decades of companionship have led them to this pretty damn interesting idea. And it's an idea that I think challenges how we think about love and partnership.
3: We believe that marriage is a path to self. So why are we here to talk about that? Because you invited us and you wouldn't let me back out.
0: <laughs> That's, that is true. She's kidding. My mom, like me, looks for any and every excuse to chat. Plus, duh, my folks obviously wanted to witness their favorite child in action because my artistry is only overshadowed by my athleticism. and
1: I'm- So this is safety third. <laughs>
0: I'm Patty O'Connell.
1: I'm Elizabeth Nakanu.
0: For real, welcome to Safety Third, a show about ideas and how we come to believe in them. Like all great love stories, this one begins at the beginning. The scene from my parents' adorable. John Hughes Meet Cute opens in law school in Chicago. Molly was 25 and Mike was 23
3: years old. I was in my first torts class and the professor, after he called all the names, said, Is there anyone's name I haven't called? And a voice came out from the back, way up high in the room this voice booms out, O'Connell Michael, because, of course, everything was last name first. And I kind of turned around and looked, and, you know, my heart just took flight because there was this beautiful, gorgeous, black-haired Irishman in the back of the room with a big old plaid shirt on. And um,
2: Actually, it was a Yosemite Sam uh, baseball shirt, but, you know. whatever.
3: Mike, these are my memories, and I would really appreciate it if you didn't try to edit them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Molly did come up to me, and as soon as she came up to me, I knew exactly what was going on uh, in terms of, uh, you know, she was being friendly. Is that what you call it? Friendly? (laughs) She was being friendly, you know, and we started talking, and she was uh, full of energy, and interesting, and good-looking, and I recall asking her, By the way, do you have a locker partner?
0: For those of you who don't know what a locker partner is, it's someone you share a locker with. As in a locker for the 500-pound, three-foot-thick law books my dad was lugging around. He didn't have a locker, and that was my mom's in. Mom, didn't you kick people out of your locker? She did.
3: I sort of don't remember that part, as you know, all these years later. I'd like to think I was I was actually really nice and went and found another locker, but now I think of it, it was the one at the end of the block, and that's the one I was in before I met O'Connell Michaels, so yeah, I guess it's pretty clear I kicked them out. Yeah, that's what happened. That was September, I'm going to say, August or September of 1976, and by the next May, I think we were engaged. Is that right, Mike?
2: Uh, that is correct. And uh, we were together for, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours a day from an academic sense and, and just also from being with each other all the time. So it, it was a pretty intense period of time and uh, pretty clear there that that was the way to go, that it, your mom was, was the one.
0: Can we please get the save by the Bell Aww, track placed here, please? Good, sweet Lord, this story is adorable as shit. Okay, so my folks were engaged eight months after the library locker partner thing, and then they were married about a year after my dad proposed at a toll booth.
1: At a toll booth? <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously. Okay, so apparently... He was going to pop the question at this dinner, but he like kind of lost his nerve or it didn't seem like the right time. And apparently the right time was at a toll booth. Okay. I mean, love is weird, right? For sure. (laughs) So after they married, my parents got an apartment just outside of Chicago.
3: We were really happy. We had no car. We um, had no TV until the Olympics in one of those years we 1980 had go out and buy a tv for that
0: which we had up until like 2001 or something yeah <laughs> yeah
3: all we did was study and work and be together and uh get ready to take the law boards and then begin our careers and boom have a baby
2: your mom was like okay we got to get this ball rolling here you know
1: Mike and Molly went on to have four kids, three boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. Patty was the third born, and that has turned out to be such a treat for me. Mm -hmm. Booyah!
0: Number three in the brood, number one in their hearts. And to my siblings, Sean, Brendan, and Kitty, suck it! As I remember, uh, the story of my birth is that I was born, and Dad, you thought I looked kind of like a monkey?
2: Yeah, the the hairy guy, he came out, he was all hairy. Um. Well, I, I think that was because his mustache was on his neck at the time, or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, it
0: took a, it took a while for it to uh, migrate to
2: my upper lip. Yeah, to kind of settle. It c- took a while to settle in. And, and and we were trying to figure out what what to name you. You know, we we still didn't have a name, so but I thought we came up with a good one. I like it. Yeah.
0: A few years after my younger sister Kitty was born, my mom quit working. To raise the family. She was 36 and my dad was 34 and he all of a sudden became the breadwinner. Over time, as things got complicated with all four of us running around, well, they got more complicated in the marriage. And they started when they started arguing, you know, the the questions of economic insecurity and child rearing and the future and happiness. There was just a lot fueling the fire.
1: And their communication styles did not jibe. Where Molly tended to be a talker, Mike leaned toward being an avoider. Like not just in the figurative sense, he would literally try to get out of talking.
2: You know, you're so mad. I just want to run out of the house and like, I'm never coming back or, you know. I did it one time where we were driving up north and uh, your mom said something about driving, and all of a sudden, that was it. I you know, jumped out of the car and started walking. You know, it's probably five below zero or something. I just like, "Walk? Where are you walking to?" Well, I don't know. I'm just walking. You know, it's like uh, this is it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're an idiot. You're an idiot. What are you doing? I'm making my yeah, last. What day. Are you, what yeah. What? What? This is it. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk to uh, who knows? Yeah, back I'm to prove, Chicago. Prove to her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, where's my glove? So oh, yeah, they're back in the car. Okay. Yeah. I'm freezing you know. my ass off. Yeah, yeah. I'll show her, boy.
1: We'll be right back after a short word from our sponsor.
0: Stubborn Irishness is also what doctors call stupidity. And for my dad, during arguments with my mom, anger tended to cloud his better judgment. He thought dumb things were smart things. For example, walking from Wisconsin to Chicago in the winter to prove a point. <laughs> but to, to be clear... There was always a lot of love between my parents. I don't remember arguments or yelling from my childhood. I just remember a lot of love and warmth and a ton of laughter.
1: But Mike and Molly say privately, in the ups and downs of their relationship, the downs were becoming more pronounced. And then one day, when Patty was about seven, things reached a tipping
3: point. I was probably, you know, in my late 30s, maybe just early 40s, I was very unhappy and I felt like the whole weight of the family was on my shoulders while all the professional success and reward was going to Mike. All I did was take care of the kids in the house and all he did was work and I didn't like it at all. I was very unhappy. So I put all four of you kids in the car without telling him what I was doing. I drove to Milwaukee to my friend Kate's house and said, I'm leaving Mike. And she said, oh my God, no, you're not. I'll keep the kids. You drive back to Chicago and talk to him. I really didn't want to do that, but I called him up. I drove back to Chicago and we went out to dinner and we talked and he agreed to go to a marriage counselor.
0: The marriage counselor gave my folks some tools, some some real tools, like dividing the chores differently and spending more time connecting emotionally and it helped it it really helped a lot but the milwaukee incident was important for another reason my folks realized the real reason their marriage had become strained because they weren't in touch with who they were
3: when i got married i was 20 Six, twenty-seven, 27, and I had a lot of time before then to try to answer the question, who am I? I never really got a very satisfactory answer. I,
2: I look back at the way I was, isolating or not really open to a lot of different ideas, discussing feelings, um, and I, I don't think I would have understood why I think a particular way.
0: So my mom started seeing a counselor on her own.
3: That was a real turning point in my life because what I learned going to this therapist was that all of the problems I felt internally, I attributed to external sources, like Mike working too long or my kids not putting their shoes away. And that was me looking at things incorrectly. My lack of happiness, my lack of internal self-awareness was not due to external things, but due to what was happening inside of me.
0: And my dad started to concentrate more on the relationship rather than his career. And he matured from a stubborn young Irishman to become more open-minded and more expressive. Well, Dad, can you then describe yourself prior to the marriage versus how you are now? Like, how did your identity change over the course of your marriage for the better? I'm assuming
2: that it has. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for one, um, I think my response to things would be to uh, sort of isolate. Whereas your mom, when she had something that was bothering her, she would articulate. She would want to tell you everything about what was going on in her head and discuss it with you. And I'd be like, you know, one or two words and I'm going to go isolate.
0: Well, so it's, it sounds like you're saying that like mar- so marriage, your marriage and mom has made you more open, but also like more connected to your emo- emotions and more emotionally mature. Yeah,
2: exactly. More self-analytical, more able to discuss what's actually going on inside me, more able to listen and be open. You could just keep going on and on. It's just uh magnificent.
3: Oh, nee. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Rage Kitty, I've read a few articles from those like relationship columnists that you say. You read relationship
1: advice columns? Just the
0: ones on how to deal with a crappy and judgmental coworker. No, you jerk. Ha,
1: ha, I read ha. them for this
0: episode. And, anyways, <laughs> so those columns, a lot of them say that you have to know yourself before getting into a relationship. But according to my folks, That's kind of incomplete advice.
2: Are you someone that can trust? Do you know that about yourself? Whether or not you can give without expectation or are you requiring something in return? Do you know that? So you can know yourself as an individual without respect to someone else, but do you fully know yourself in your relationships with others? It doesn't mean that Someone who isn't in a a marriage is less. It just means that if you're going to have a relationship with someone else, there are other pieces that you're going to find out about yourself.
3: I think that our belief statement is a paradox because one would think that the opposite is true, that marriage is an opportunity to lose yourself rather than find yourself.
0: Can you explain that, Sure. A
3: paradox is something that... No, Mom,
0: I think everyone knows what a paradox is. What I want you to say is oh, like, okay. why, why do you think your belief statement, we believe marriage is a path to self. You know, a lot of people have said to me like, well, I think a partnership, you can't know of the individual in a partnership.
3: Right, and that's why I say it's a paradox because the individual who's part of this new whole comes into the relationship in one form and while in the relationship takes on a new form because of being in the relationship. It's the beauty of the byproduct of the time and the energy and the giving of yourself. By giving of yourself to somebody else, you actually get more self back. You evolve in a way that you would not have been able to if you hadn't had that opportunity to give to that other person and when you do it over a long 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 period of time like four decades it is sort of the opposite of peeling the onion it's like putting layers on
0: how do you feel that your marriage has led you to your true self
3: well my answer is that it's it's leading me to my true self it hasn't led me there yet um it's, it's literally, I think, from the day-to-day experiences of sharing life with another person, it's a path, and I'm still on the path. I can't imagine that I would ever have been as comfortable to face things that were challenging to me if I hadn't had your father by my side. Yeah.
2: Being able to have someone that always had my back sort of like a, a comfort level of like an old shoe that you you feel in a safe, secure place. Yeah, did you just did you just call mom an old shoe? I know. Isn't it
3: romantic? It's so beautiful.
0: <laughs> it's very romantic. Your mother is kinda like an old shoe.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I mean it sounds it sounds like um well what a great feeling to have a teammate to navigate life with.
2: I'd look at it as gaining gaining something of the experiences of the other person and opening yourself up to other ideas rather than the potential narrowness that you may have had when you started the, the path.
3: There you go. You know, it's like the privilege of my life to have this relationship because without it, I, I can't even imagine that I would be able to sit here today and say, I know who I am.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my parents. So, Rage Kitty, I'm very interested to know what you think.
1: I think it makes sense. Being with Chris has definitely shown me the worst parts of myself, like areas where <laughs> I need to grow. Um, I like the idea that he's helping me realize the best version of myself. But like, uh-huh. I like it in theory, because <laughs> I can definitely say that when it's happening, I can don't like him at all. (laughs) Um, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to work at being a little more conscious of what's happening and grateful for that.
0: I I think you're going to have to work on a lot more than just gratefulness.
1: Okay, this is the last time I've ever vulnerable with you, O'Connell.
0: I just get I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think relationships for me have always They've always revealed the parts of me that I've tried to keep hidden, you know, like add a dash of love to grandiose expectations and insecurity and Irish overthinking. And you've got yourself (laughs) a real, real mess. But with Christine, I think for the first time ever, I feel like there's this freedom to fail Hmm. and have room to grow because of that. You know, growth, growth isn't static and neither is love. You've been listening to Safety Third, a production of Duct Tape Then Beer. Mike O'Connell and Molly Ryan were our guests today. They're also known as Mom and Dad. Thanks, guys. I love you. If you like today's show, please tell your friends about it. Spread the word. Good ideas need cheerleaders. Safety Third is produced by Elizabeth Nakano. Mario Quintana edited this episode. Additional production help from Barb Anguiano. Music by my brother, yes, my fuzzy faced, neck bearded brother, Brendan O'Connell. Fitz Cahal is our creative director. Becca call is our executive producer. I'm your host, Patty O'Connell. Okie dokie dudes and dudettes. Until next time, pals, keep it tight, keep it loose, and remember Safety Third.